as we think about this series that Jesus is enough, I want us to focus on this idea today, this simple idea that Jesus is still enough. Jesus is still enough. Because I know, if you're like me, Jesus is enough, it sounds good, doesn't it? It's like you hear it for the first time, and you're like, yeah, that's what I need, that's what I'm hoping for, that's what I really go after, like that gets me fired up, that gets me excited. Jesus is enough, and and I want to tell you today that Jesus is still enough. He's still enough. So so one of my favorite things from this series that we did in the book of Colossians, and I'm going to point over in this direction because we set up a cross right over there and uh, right near where that offering box is right now. And uh, one of the things in the book of Colossians that Paul writes about is how Jesus takes our record of wrongdoing and he nails it to the cross. And so therefore it is gone, it's over with, it's paid for, it's done. And it was amazing to see people respond to this illustration, to this exercise, and uh, you all wrote some pretty incredible things that uh, you've dealt with in your life, that you struggle with in your life, and yet you still do, and you wrote them down on your record of wrongdoing, and you nailed them to the cross. And um, so afterwards, I took the cross home, I had to return it from where I got it from, and all these papers were on there, I'm like, what do I do with these papers? Do I read them? Um, I didn't really read them, but I did because I wanted to illustrate something to you today. Um, I didn't try to figure out who wrote what. That wasn't my point. I wanted to go quickly through all of these things and pull out certain phrases, certain words, so that I could share with you today this main point that Jesus is still enough. And so if you need a refresher on these verses, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, it says this, you were dead. Because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. And he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And it was amazing seeing people respond like for the very first time understanding like my sin is paid for. It's gone. It's nailed to the cross. It's over with. It's done for. And it was amazing seeing many people respond and, and saying, hey, I, I, I've, I've understood this before, but um, I, it's good to see it again. It's good to, to realize that my sin is on that cross and it is no longer uh, controlling my life or, or defining my life anymore. And so, um, I, like I said, I went through some of these things and I, I pulled some out. And I just want to tell you today that Jesus is still enough for everything in your 20s and in college. He's still enough for that. He's still enough for when you feel like you're better than other people and you have pride in your life or when you feel like you're so much worse than other people, when you feel worthless and unlovable, Jesus is still enough. He's still enough when you wish that you were a better parent, when you wish that you could get those years of your life back and you wish you could do it differently, Jesus is still enough. He's, diff- or he's still enough for you when you couldn't forgive that other person. And when you're not trusting God enough and when your life was characterized by depression, Jesus is still enough. When it's characterized with anxiety, Jesus is still enough. Clutter, when you're just mean, unlovable, when you doubt, when you have bitterness, 
lying, Jesus is still enough. When your anger gets the most of you, porn, lust, when you feel cursed, when you've dealt with self-harm and gluttony, Jesus is still enough. He's still enough for when you don't believe that you are yet enough, Jesus is still enough. He's still enough when you have weak faith or when I'm stupid or when you put work over relationships or when you seek pleasure to fill the emptiness in your life. Even after being a Christian, Jesus is enough even when you're a coward. Jesus is enough when you're not giving Jesus the place in your life that he truly deserves. Jesus is still enough for all of those things. And if any of those things characterize your life, then welcome to Connect Us Church <laughs> because this is who we are. These things are from, from us. This is us. And we, we own it, we confess it, and we bring it to Jesus, and we realize that our record of wrongdoing has been nailed to the cross. And it is done with, it is over, he's paid for it all. And that last thought, though, really got me fired up. <laughs> that person, and if you wrote this, um, very cool, you got me excited this week. You wrote, not giving Jesus the place in my life that he truly deserves. But, but you didn't stop there. You were preaching on your little card. You were like, I wasn't giving Jesus the place in my life that he truly deserves. But then you said, but now is different. But now is different. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, now is different. Now is different. Like now, right, now I'm putting Jesus where he needs to be. Now I'm realizing that my record of wrongdoing has been nailed to the cross and it's done with it, it's over with. But here's my message to you th this morning, and it's this, it's that I know that you said that. I know that you said that now is different. I know that you said that. I know, I know, I know that you said that. And I know that you probably still believe that, usually. But, let's be honest, right? A couple weeks, a month has gone by since you wrote that. And, and since you've wrote that, we've continued to read things through the book of Colossians. We've read what Paul gives to us. If you're a follower of Jesus, he tells us some specific things, and he has high standards for some things. And sometimes you'll probably feel like I probably feel, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really living this out. Like, I, I mess up sometimes. Like, I know I'm forgiven, and I, and I know that, but I don't know. Like, and I know my record of wrongdoing has been nailed to the cross, and I know that, but, but I read things, like, about what Paul says about our relationships in Colossians three eighteen through 21. And he says, wives. Submit to your husbands as fitting to those who belong to the Lord. And it's like, I haven't submitted to anybody lately, let alone my husband. Do you know my husband? 
and we just feel like, oh. Or husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Like never? Like never, never. And love them. Like, like how? Like, how? Like what does that look like? What does that mean, right? And children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers or parents, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I want to train them up. I want to encourage them. I want to give, be the best parent I could be. But sometimes I just look at their screaming face and say, am I aggravating you? <laughs> like, am I, right? Like, is this, am I, am I, what am I doing? And it's in those moments and it's in these moments when we're reflecting and thinking about those moments that we need to tell ourselves the truth that Jesus is still enough. He's still enough for me. He's still enough for you. And we talked about, we talked about how Paul uh, tells us to always be at peace, live in peace, and to always be thankful. And it's like, again, really? <laughs> we need to remember that Jesus is still enough. Those verses, Colossians 3.15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. I don't know what's been ruling in your heart lately, but maybe it hasn't been peace. Maybe it's been a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear, a little bit of frustration. Maybe it's been a little bit of depression. But there's a peace that comes from Christ. It only comes from Christ, and let it rule in your life. Paul continues, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. <laughs> Is there somebody in your life that you're not at peace with right now? Being a Jesus follower, you are called to live your life in peace with people. So do it, right? And always be thankful. Like, always? Can I be always a little bit thankful? Or always a tiny bit thankful? Or maybe always a lot thankful? It's then, in those moments of those questions, and it's now as we reflect back on those particular things, where we have to tell ourselves the truth that Jesus is still enough. Then we talked about Paul wrote this long list of sins. And uh, if you remember that, that was a lot of fun to read. I'm going to read it for you again. Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And it's like, I can't read that list fast enough. Get it off the screen. Jesus is still enough. Even if our life, it looks a little bit more like that than we wished it would, right? Jesus is still enough. We don't get it right all of the time. We don't make all the right choices all of the time. We don't come to church. We don't come to a place like this united in our righteous goodness. We don't come here to show off how perfect we are. We also don't come here to show off how much we could care less about God and care less about the Bible, right? We come united in Christ, humbled as sinners, recognizing our need for a savior and learning to live like him more and more every day. And if we do this successfully, if we live this way, if this is true about our church, 
then we will really make an impact on our community. I think living this way is really makes a difference in our community, in our lives, in our circle of friends, in our families, in our neighborhoods. Um, because what happens is, is like that type of living creates a really unique people, a really unique group of people. And one of the really awesome things that happens as a result of people living this way is all different kinds of people can get together and be united in Christ. And one of the most special things I remember in this series is looking out at you all and reading these verses I'll read in a second and seeing the diversity of people that are even here right now and who are watching online. Like there's all kinds of people, people from different nations, people who speak different languages, people who look different than each other, people who are in different socioeconomic classes, all different kinds of people, people with different religious backgrounds that they once were a part of something else and now, you know, they're not. Um, All different kinds of people are united just in this place. And again, as I did uh, a few weeks ago, look around, like look to your left and right and maybe if you're in the front, like look up, like I'm serious, don't look at me for a second. And just look at the people around you all different kinds of people. And Paul tells us in Colossians 3.11 that in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter what nationality you're from. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. That's like if you're religious or not religious. If you were, you know, at one point, if you were barbaric or uncivilized, if you were from that country, if you were from that town, if you grew up in that type of lifestyle, if you were a slave or free, remember that's like the economy of the first century, um, you know, there, the socioeconomic status, right? It doesn't matter, right? Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. What Jesus has done is all that matters. It's because of him that we're here. It's because of him that we're saved. And it's because of him that we are empowered to live our lives for him. And so, yes, we need to worship God, like you and God. You need to worship God yourself. But it doesn't stay vertical. It goes out horizontal. And we have to learn how to develop authentic relationships with each other. We have to learn how to love people better. We have to learn how to walk with people through life better and disciple people better. And that's one of the things that we value at Connect Us Church. We value developing authentic relationships. And Jesus is the one who makes this happen. And as we looked at these verses and reviewed and reflected on some of them, our husbands and wives and children and employers, employees, relationships... What Jesus has done is he created like a new way to live out those relationships. So as we talked about, like a husband and a wife, right, there's a special unique thing that you have, that only you have. And when wives are submitting to other people's husbands and husbands are loving other people's wives, it becomes a problem, right? There is something unique that God has created for you two. But what Jesus has done then, he's created something like bigger than that. Like something outside of like our normal time and space, our our earthly understanding. Jesus shows up and and he tells us, and Paul tells us that your relationship, husband and wife, it illustrates the way that God loves the world, the, the church, Christ and the church. And it's like, 
like what? Like the way that I love my, my wife and, and my wife loves me shows something greater than that? It's like, yeah. And like when you think about your boss and your working situation, like there's someone that you work for. You have a specific relationship with them because of that. There, you know, there's a specific relationship that you have. That if you were to move somewhere else, you were to work somewhere else, your relationship with that person would change. If you were to attend a different church and your relationship with the pastor would change, like you, I wouldn't be your pastor anymore. But what Jesus has done is he's created this like new way of living that regardless of your earthly relationships, whether you work for this person or not, whether you live here or not, like he's created this new thing, this new category that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're, we're working together, or, or there's, there's, we're all created in the image of God, and so therefore we are to love and serve one another, we're to pray and care and share Jesus with one another, regardless of what like our earthly relationships look like. And, and I loved how my youth pastor, Pastor Tony, was there to preach that message for us, because it just showed, like, he's not my pastor anymore, but yet we can have a relationship that's bigger than like what we experience on the day-to-day normal earthly level. And so um, what does it look like to go from the old way of looking at the world, maybe the normal way of looking at the world, and looking at it in a transformed way, a, a living for God way, a living in the power of the Holy Spirit way? And I think it's, it's, this is really one of my favorite um, topics to preach about, this idea of this old self and this new self. And if you remember, right, we put to death the old stuff and we put on the new stuff. And really it's this idea between, or a difference between a positional thing that happens and a progression thing that happens. And so positionally, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, between you and God, you are saved, you are secure. The Holy Spirit comes and seals you until the day of redemption. Like it's done with. It's, the old self has passed away. You're forgiven. You're guaranteed a place in heaven. You have a right relationship with God forever. That is your position. You are given a new nature. And then every single day after that day, now you're living in a progressive, what's called sanctification process of becoming more like Jesus, of learning how to live into the new life that you've already been given. And so some days you might feel like, wow, I really messed this up. <laughs> I haven't come really far at all. And, and it's in those moments that I want to tell you again that you are right where God wants you to be. The fact that you even recognize that is a good indication that God is at work in your life. Like, if you were just wondering, like, I wish I could just defeat this sin. I wish I could just be more like Jesus about this particular thing. God is at work in your life. And he is going to take you to be more like Jesus. And the thing, the thing that comes against and stands against the way that we work and live into this new reality that God has given us is what I like to call rules. It's a big general term, rules, right? And some people respond to rules, and they're rule breakers. They're not good at keeping the rules. They don't like to keep the rules, and they just break the rules. Other people respond to rules, and they're rule keepers. They like the rules. They feel comfortable about the rules. They're good about keeping the rules. And so if you're good at keeping the rules, chances are um, you're, you're, like, 
you do pretty well in, in life, right? Generally speaking, uh, you can live up to people's expectations. You can show up for work on time, you know, all those good things. But what can sometimes happen to rule keepers is that you feel a little bit um, self-righteous. You're so good at keeping the rules, and then you look at the other people who aren't, and you think, well, you know. But sometimes we aren't good at keeping the rules, and so therefore we feel so much shame and regret and guilt. And what Jesus has come is something completely different than rules. He's come to give you new life. So, for example, the rule might be, okay, the rule might be in whatever area of life you want to think about it in the rule might be to love everyone okay it sounds like a good rule love everyone okay how do you do that right what does it mean to love everyone who is everyone what does it mean to love so you might look a bunch of different places to figure out what does it mean to love everyone you might look to the bible to give you a definition of love and what does it mean And if you do that, then you will come across, if you look long enough, Jesus telling us to love one another, and then he gives us a definition of it, like I have loved you. He gives us an example to follow. This is what it means to love. This is what I really really want you to do. And then you're like, well, I'm not Jesus. So how in the world can I actually do this? And that's where the power of the putting on idea comes from. He's not telling you to produce from yourself a love everyone type of life. He's telling you to put it on, meaning it doesn't come from you. You put it on. Jesus has given this to you. It comes from Jesus. You learn to put it on. You don't have some crazy uh, spiritual encounter that makes you more better to love somebody, right? Jesus is enough. He's already done it all. He's given you this new life, and you just have to learn how to put it on. So, hey, uh, these are some thoughts, some summary thoughts. I hope they've been helpful to you um, just to reflect again. And I encourage you to write down something on um, your, your paper uh, before you leave today. And, and as we close and as we transition to a song and then communion and then another song, um, I'm just going to read some verses um, in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 is a prayer that Paul prays for the church at Colossae. And I wanted to change some of the pronouns so that it sounded like Paul was praying for us, Connect Us Church. And so uh, this is how it reads. It says, Paul and his companions always pray for Connect Us Church. They give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For they have heard of our faith in Christ Jesus and our love for all God's people which come from our confident hope of what God has reserved for us in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since we heard the, fir- heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to us is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere, in Lancaster and beyond, by changing lives. Just as it changed our lives from the day we first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful rules. I'm just kidding. It says grace, right? We learned about the good news from somebody shared the good news with you. And Paul calls him a beloved co-worker. He's Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping them on, on our behalf. And this person has told them about the love of others that the Holy Spirit has given us. 
And so they have not stopped praying for us ever since they first heard about us. They ask God to give us complete knowledge of his will. Wouldn't that be good? Complete knowledge of what God wants to do in your life. And to give us spiritual wisdom and understanding. Oh, we need that. Then, the way we live will always honor and please the Lord, and our lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, we will grow as we learn to know God better and better. And Paul and his companions, they also pray that we will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that we will have all the endurance and patience that we need. Anyone need a little patience? May we be filled with joy. Anyone need some joy? Always thanking the Father. He has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I know that I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. And I know what he's spoken. And I'm already loved more than I could imagine. And that is enough. That is enough. That is enough.